Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Jeff, and along with Brian, we are the hosts of this program. Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast and our ongoing series on adding to your faith. If you have a Bible handy, please turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to continue to take a look at this section of Scripture uh, beginning in verse 5 down through verse 11, spiritual qualities that we should add to our faith. My name is Brian, and I am here with our co-host, Jeff. Jeff, how are you going today? Hey, going real well. Yeah, looking forward to another study. Yeah, Alan, uh, why don't we start out like we normally do and just kind of have you give us a brief summary of what we discussed last time, and then uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah, no, I'd be happy to do that. Um, Peter the begins his last letter with a actually basically four different sections. The first section, verses 3 and 4, describing how God has done everything for us. He's given us his divine power. He has given us these precious and exceedingly great promises. We have the means and we have the motivation. We have everything we need for life and godliness and we have the promises to get busy and do the work. And then Peter outlines what the work is. In verses 5 through 7, he gives us seven things that we should add to our faith. Faith without works, as James points out, is dead. But faith, putting forth our energy and our effort to add to our faith this virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance or endurance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. So we have these seven very critical vocabulary words that we have to understand. You can't get something if you don't know what it is. So that's going to be the emphasis that we're going to be putting in this uh, series, is just trying to make sure that we have a clear picture of exactly what it is God wants us to add. Then he moves in verse 8 to the third section, which are the blessings if we do these things and the curses or the loss if we don't. And so he starts out, if these things are yours, you're going to be, you're not going to be barren and you're not going to be unfruitful. And I often think about John chapter 15, where Jesus talks about being the vine and the branches and we're the branches and we have to bear fruit. If we don't bear fruit, uh, then Jesus says we are cut off as a branch, but if we bear much fruit, then God is going to be glorified. So that's a real blessing to, to, to know that just by working on these seven things, we are not going to be considered barren or unfruitful. And then he speaks of being short-sighted or blind if we don't have them. And then verses 10 and 11, he speaks of making our calling and election sure or stable, of never stumbling, and of being given everything necessary to enter into the eternal kingdom. So we don't want to go before God on the judgment day and have God say, I'm sorry, you haven't done enough. You haven't been a faithful, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, if we have these seven things, we're going to hear that well done, good and faithful servant. And then in the last section, Peter describes his own intense interest in those people that he's working with, those people he's studying with, his his uh, uh, students, his people that he's working with and trying to help. And he says, I, I want you to remember these things. So. God has done everything necessary to help us understand how important these seven things are to our faith. Now, for our listeners, you know, if they're just looking at the list of seven that you mentioned, you know, they might think, well, you know, these appear, you know, somewhat in random order and there's no particular uh, pattern. Could you maybe comment on that a little bit? Yeah, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, that some people see this as a ladder that you get your faith, of course you obey the gospel, and then you add virtue, and then knowledge, and then self-control, and then perseverance. Other people see them like a garden, where you're working with all seven of them, and you're, you're fertilizing them, and weeding, and working, and trying to make them grow. But I've always felt like the first four are directly tied. They're links in a chain, and it's very difficult to... Uh, add the one 
without first starting with virtue and then moving to knowledge and then to self-control and then to perseverance. So let me explain what I'm saying here. Virtue, of course, is the desire to be the best. The person who has a strong motivation, he just really wants God to be pleased with him. He wants to show God how appreciative he is. And so with that motivation, with that energy, he throws himself into knowledge and he starts learning the scriptures like the Bereans, searching the scriptures daily to see what's true. And, and uh, like Paul told Timothy, give diligence, to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we're, we're mastering knowledge, but without the ability to take that knowledge and do something with it, we end up feeling like a hypocrite. We know what we're supposed to be doing, but we, we can't do it. Well, that's where self-control comes in. So now I start putting forth energy to cut off. Like Jesus said, if you want to come to me, then you need to cut off your hand, cut off your foot, cut up, pull out your eye. You must carry your cross, the things we talked about last week. And so finally, with virtue, knowledge, and self-control, we're working. But then perseverance comes along. Perseverance is what we need when we reach a wall, when our self-control, our knowledge, and our virtue have brought us to a point where, uh, as Jesus will point out, we'll, we'll talk about this in the parable of the sower, that perseverance is a critical next step after self-control. So, Alan, is there any tie between knowledge and self-control and virtue leading into perseverance? Yeah, I think there's a very, very important tie there. Uh, the initial excitement, the initial enthusiasm that we have when we first hear the gospel and we understand, like that man who found the treasure in the field, and with joy and excitement, he uh, sells all that he has to buy the field. And of course, after he's bought the field, he's ready to have virtue. He wants to be the best. He wants to make the best possible use over that treasure that he's purchased. And so he throws himself into the scriptures and he understands and grows and he throws himself into self-control to make himself what the scriptures actually reveal that he should be. But in the parable of the sower, Jesus makes a very critical point that once we have the, the treasure and we have the virtue, we have the knowledge and we have the self-control, there's still a vital need for that perseverance or that endurance or that patience. Now, in the parable of the sower, he speaks of two different individuals. Actually, there's uh, four different individuals. One hears the word of God and has a hard heart and never, ever obeys it. But the, the next two are individuals who become Christians and then fall away. And then the final is the good and honest heart who straightway with joy receives and then moves on to produce fruit. So perseverance is the uh, key. It is the portal, I guess I would say. When we come to that wall, when we, when we finally begin to realize that not only does Christianity bring blessings, but it also brings persecutions, and it also, as we gain knowledge and self-control, we find ourselves in situations where that, that we never really understood that was going to be that difficult. And so Jesus starts out, and in, I'm in Matthew chapter 13 now, and uh, why don't uh, one of you read verses 20 and 21 for us, please? I can do that. And he that was sown upon the rocky places hears the word, and straightway with joy receives it, yet he has no root in himself, and endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, straightway he stumbles. So there's a very, very important point for all of us to understand. It's something that people in the Olympics, they realize. You know, when you start a race, it's easy to sprint for about 150, 200, maybe even half a mile. But then if you continue at that pace, you're going to find yourself in a situation where you have to stop. Well, when that happens, you shift into a longer range 
uh, of, of ability to keep going. So you're not going as fast, but you're moving. And this tribulation and persecution is the same thing as what happens to the Olympic contender when they hit a situation where they no longer have the energy that they had when they first started. And now it comes down to, will I keep pushing myself even though it hurts and even though I'm really struggling and I would like to stop? Well, Jesus said that people with rocks, and we'll talk about this in just a few moments, but people who have these rocks, the the roots are trying to go down into the soil, the perseverance, excuse me, the virtue, the knowledge, the self-control is sending those roots down into the soil, but it's going to take perseverance or endurance to be able to remove those rocks, to be able to push on. And so this person stumbles. Without the perseverance, this person stumbles. And this is also true of the next man, the thorny heart. And so, Brian, would you like to read that passage for us, please? Now, the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. So this is another great danger that Christians face. As the uh, other parable we talked about earlier, we find the treasure in the field, we sell all that we have to buy the field. As Paul said, I suffered the loss of all things and I count them but rubbish. But some people don't. Some people start out as a Christian and then over time, their friends, their memories of times past, they, they start looking back on the things that they gave up when they became a Christian. And now, like thorns, they start growing again. The seeds have been, uh, the thorns have been cut down, but now the seeds are starting to grow. And perseverance is necessary to pull out those thorns before they get high enough that they start uh, impeding the sunlight and keeping us from becoming strong. So we have the virtue when we first become a Christian. We have the, the knowledge. We start gaining the knowledge. We understand what we're supposed to add, what we're supposed to take away. And then we also have the self-control and we start working on it. But as I say, sometimes the rocky ground, we get hit with a trial or a persecution that we never really knew was coming. And it just knocks the wind out of us. Well, we're going to need perseverance. Or as Jesus said, some people in time of temptations, they fall away because they can't handle the uh, trial and they need that perseverance or that patience or that endurance and then the second thing is these temptations and trials where we want to give in to sin and maybe we do give in to sin and we come to God in repentance and then we keep struggling we're gaining the self-control but sometimes self-control takes time and we need that perseverance to keep us going without getting discouraged Certainly, it is discouraging to commit a sin and then to commit a sin. But as Jesus pointed out, when Peter said, how often should I forgive my brother? Up to seven times. And Jesus said, I say 70 times seven or in another place, seven times in a day. But it's discouraging when a Christian has virtue, knowledge and self-control and he finds himself continuing to struggle with sin and he sees these thorns growing up. And he starts thinking things like, how could God want a servant like me? And these are things Satan puts in our mind. These are these fiery darts. And, and that's where the great, great need of this next thing that Peter's talking about. And that's why I say there's a definite progression. We go from the excitement of virtue to the exploring and growing of knowledge to the desire to make that knowledge into reality in our life which needs self-control and then the perseverance or endurance the ability to absorb all of the trials and tribulations and temptations and fiery darts and all of the things that we aren't prepared for or, or we weren't really expecting and perseverance will push us over that uh, that uh, barrier. 
you know, Alan, at least in a physical sense, you know, in terms of physical soil. And honestly, I don't know where our listeners might live, but here in the Rocky Mountain region of, of Colorado, you know, some of our soils around here are just so rocky and, you know, hard to ha- get anything to grow in them. Or, yeah, you might be able to get something to grow, but just lots and lots of weeds, just, you know, somewhat poor soil. You know, when we talk about, you know, the human heart or the human soil, so to speak, um, do we get any indication that these conditions are permanent or, you know, do we have a chance of even getting rid of some of these rocks and these weeds in a spiritual sense? That's an excellent question, Jeff. And it's something I've pondered for years. You know, Jesus gives us these four hearts. One is the hard heart. One is the rocky heart. One is the thorny heart. And one is the good and honest heart. And of course, most people are a combination. There are things in our lives that we're a little hard-hearted on. And when we become aware of them, we start breaking it up. Uh, One of the purposes of trials and tribulations is that God will give us the ability to redirect our priorities and soften our hearts. So even if you have a hard heart, it can be broken up. You remember the the advice to the wife in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. She's got a husband. He's heard the word. He won't obey it. And Peter says, you can try to break up that hard heart by your conduct, by showing him what a godly Christian woman, and you might gain your husband. So that hard heart can be broken up under certain circumstances. And I believe the same thing with the thorns and the rocks. I think most of us have some of these rocks in the soil where uh, the first time we get hit with a persecution, or tribulation, or somebody, we lose a friend, and we start thinking, wow, if this is what Christianity is going to cost, and those rocks start to come up, and the roots are going to be in trouble, well, we get those rocks out of there. That's really what perseverance will do for us, and the same thing with those thorns. Matter of fact, Jesus actually makes that point in Luke chapter 8 and verse 15. So, uh, Brian, would you like to read that for us, please? Yeah, sure will. And the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Okay, and so now we've come full circle. Uh, This is the same word Peter says that we need to add to our faith. And uh, perseverance is God's gift, but it's a gift that we have to add to our faith. It's there. It's ready for us. It's, It's like a tool. It's a tool for breaking up rocks. It's a tool for digging up thorns. It's a tool for keeping our hearts good and honest. It's a tool for bearing fruit. So the no Christian, good and honest heart is, whether he has a good and honest heart or a thorny heart or a rocky heart, uh, no Christian is going to go through life unscathed. And so we need this perseverance. Perseverance will turn a rocky heart into a good and honest heart. Perseverance will turn a thorny heart into a good and honest heart. How does it do that? Well, because of perseverance, I look for the way of escape. Paul says in First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 that there is no temptation taken you, but such is common to man, and God will give you a way of escape. Well, I might not find that way of escape. It might take me a year, it might take me a few years, it might take me a few months. It depends on the sin. It depends on how, how involved in the sin I have be, have gotten myself. Some people get addicted to alcohol or addicted to drugs or addicted to tobacco. It's not something that some people can just stop right away, but other people, they have to struggle and they need this perseverance. I'm going to beat this. And you may have to break it down. You may have to break those rocks out and break those thorns up. And you may have to do it for years to totally leave that behind. But perseverance will keep you going when you get discouraged. It will keep you going when you feel guilty and dirty. But you know God loves you. And you know that God wants to help you. And so perseverance, again, is the tool Uh, that will allow us to remove the rocks so that we don't fall, and it will cause us to remove the thorns so that we are not choked with cares and and love for other things. So, and this is kind of a two-part question for you. First is, you know, what exactly is endurance and patience and perseverance? And 
Uh, second part is why do the different translations use different words? Well, it's something we talked about a few weeks ago with virtue. Sometimes there are words in one language that are very difficult to bring into a second language. And uh, many of you listeners in other countries, you probably realize that you may not have a word in, in your vernacular for that particular idea. So what I always like to do is I like to go to the Greek dictionaries and look at how the word was used in the first century and and uh, look, at, look at its etymology or how it has uh, come into the language and what exactly does it mean. And so there's actually a verb and a noun uh, for this perseverance. And the verb is made up of two words, one which means under and the other which means to abide or to remain. And so literally, perseverance or endurance or patience is the ability to remain under difficulties, trials, temptations, and circumstances that are really difficult, but I'm going to stay faithful to the Lord. And my virtue, my knowledge, my self-control are now grasping and reaching toward this ability to abide under. And regardless of the situation, I'm going to persevere, which means I'm going to keep going and keep going and keep going. I'm going to, if I get knocked down, I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to pick myself up. If I get, if I fall into a temptation, I'm going to have godly sorrow. I'm going to repent. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to confess to God day and day and day and day and after because I have this perseverance, this endurance, this patience, the ability to bravely endure and to calmly endure because we trust God. God will not allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear, but God will always give the way of escape. And even if we miss that way of escape, he also gives a secondary way of escape, and that is to ask for forgiveness. And so perseverance keeps me going in that direction. Now, the noun, on the other hand, is a, is a term that has the idea of someone who is steadfast. He is constant. In other words, whenever he, he's like a pillar, and uh, if you've got a pillar and it's strong enough and stable enough, if a car runs into it, if a if somebody tries to get a rock, or excuse me, gets a hammer and tries to break it down, you can't move it. It is fixed. It is stable. It is it is unswerved. It is it is. So the the word has the same qualities. Endurance means you're going to keep going when you'd like to quit. Uh, perseverance means that when you put your mind to a task, you stay with it. And day after day after day, you get better and better and better at it. A person who wants to play a musical instrument finds out very quickly that it isn't easy. And it's frustrating. And it's uncomfortable. And uh, a lot of people who start wanting to play a musical instrument or who start wanting to be an Olympic contender or who start wanting to do anything that's difficult are going to find out that there comes a point where you start to realize this is going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a long time. Well, the person without perseverance, he will stop. He, regardless of how much knowledge, how much virtue, and how much self-control, if he doesn't have the ability to keep going day after day, regardless of the discouragement or the frustration or the difficulties, uh, that's what perseverance is. So perseverance on the one hand, endurance on the other hand, patience on the other hand, uh, it simply means someone who day after day never moves. And by never moves, I don't mean they're not growing. They're growing because of the virtue. They're growing because of the knowledge and the self-control. But they remain fixed and steadfast, plodding on, working and toiling and getting hit with temptations, with trials, with tribulations, but the true Christian, the Christian who has added this perseverance, regardless of what happens in his personal life, you will see him year after year growing and developing. You know, so far we've been talking about 
you know, perseverance, patience, endurance, and kind of in the face of trials, temptations, and such. And for some of our audience, they may think, well, trials, temptations, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, but can you maybe tease those apart a little bit and maybe see or give us some insight into how this endurance might work differently, whether we're in a trial versus a temptation? Sure. Yeah, I think that's a very good point to consider as Christians. We, we've got to be able to... How do I want to put this? We've we've got to be able to counteract. The devil is seeking whom he may devour. And one week, maybe he's going to try one of your old temptations. There's going to be an enticement, and there's going to be an event that occurs, and we fight it off. Well, the next week, he may try a trial. Maybe someone will die, or maybe there'll be a financial setback, or somebody will get sick. And Satan is hoping that that will undermine our faith and lead our virtue, knowledge, and self-control to evaporate. But with this perseverance, uh, that won't happen. Now, Peter talks about the trial element in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Brian, would you like to read that for us, please? Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. This is a, a very important point that Peter is making. Many people who become Christians, as a matter of fact, there's actually a, a false doctrine out there called the prosperity gospel, which teaches that once you become a Christian, God's going to take care of all these things for you. And those people would think it's very strange about these fiery trials that he's talking about. And they would think that it was unusual, that this is not what I thought Christianity was. And, and many people are faced with this. Many people who obey the gospel, initially, they believe that God is going to take care and just open wide the gates and life is just going to become so wonderful. But Jesus shows by his own personal life that if you are a truly devoted and godly servant of God, you're going to suffer persecution. Matter of fact, Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, all who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. So don't think it's strange. Uh, so perseverance is the ability to recognize, I know these things are coming. I know that as I live my Christian life, I know that as I preach God's word, and as I live God's word around other people, sooner or later, and sometimes it's much sooner than we thought, something happens that we weren't anticipating, we weren't thinking could happen. And so Peter says, don't think it's strange. Get ready. Be prepared for those rocks. They're going to come up. There's going to be trials, tribulations, and troubles that are going to come along. And when they come up, don't think it's strange. Now, the second element is also in there where we have these temptations and weaknesses. And Paul talks about the flesh in uh, Galatians 5, and he says the flesh is lusting against the spirit, and the spirit is lusting against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, and, and the battle rages, and the battle will be raging within us. And sometimes we win, sometimes the flesh wins. I say we being the spirit, because we're in the spirit. We are spiritual beings now, and we want to live for God. But the flesh is still there. And those are the thorns. Whatever it is, whatever doors we opened before we became a, Christian, became a Christian, those are our temptations and those are our weaknesses. And Satan knows what they are and we know what they are. And so perseverance helps me, gives me the time to fight off these temptations. I think we talked last week about the fact that when we're growing as a Christian, what we can do will always lag behind what we know we should do. And, and that's part of growth. I can see what I should be doing, but I haven't reached it yet. And when I reach it, then I'll see something else. And so the desire to be and grow and develop, to have virtue, to have knowledge, to have self-control, it means that the process simply continues day after day after day, 
different events, different circumstances, but the process is the same. We are growing. We have more virtue. We have more knowledge and more self-control, but we need the, this perseverance to get to the next level. We don't want to get discouraged. We don't want our guilt to damage or destroy our relationship with God. We have to recognize that God is merciful. God is compassionate. And so all of this comes together to, uh, to, to help us understand the great need and the great value of this perseverance. So, Alan, as we look to add this spiritual quality uh, to our spiritual life, does the Bible, does God through the Bible have any advice on how we can gain more patience, more endurance, and so forth? Yeah, there is. And it's, it's not an answer that many people would have expected, but it is the only answer God gives us. And so, uh, uh, Jeff, would you like to read uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5? Sure. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. This is the gold standard of how we get uh, this perseverance or this patience. This is the same Greek word that Peter used. And so when we fall into various trials, well, there's the, the word various here means many-sided, multicolored, multifaceted, every kind of trial you can imagine. Trials that, that help us to grow. Uh, trials because we have not grown enough yet and we're struggling with things from the past. Trials that come as a result of our developing as a Christian. And then there's just the normal trials, the trials that come because of a drought or for, of a famine or a pestilence or there's, there's all sorts of trials. And James tells us that if you want perseverance, then there's one quality that has to be there. If you don't feel a sense of joy, and this is a shock, this is kind of surprising. When I fall into trials, I'm supposed to have joy. Most people have joy when something good happens to them. But to the Christian who wants perseverance, because he says that these trials test our faith and they produce this patience or this endurance or this perseverance. And so the only way to get perseverance is to go through trials. Now, if you think about it with the Olympic runner, you, you understand exactly what's being described here. If a, if a runner wants to have endurance, he has to run until the pain comes. If there's no pain, then he will never develop endurance because you don't need endurance if there's no pain. If you only run to the level where it starts to hurt and then you stop, well, you're never going to get endurance. You're quitting. So the ability to grow past and develop true endurance or true perseverance. I'm going to keep going when I don't want to keep going. I am going to endure when I would like to stop. I am going to be constant when I would love to just rest. And so the testing of your faith produces patience. And then patience will bring its perfect work. So patience is one of the stepping stones to perfection. When I have developed the kind of patience where God can use me, you see, God can't use me. We, he won't allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear. And if God sees a situation where he'd like for me to be the one who does the work, but he can see that I don't have the endurance and this is going to be tough. Sometimes it's difficult to take on one of God's tasks. When God asked Noah to build the ark, when God asked Abraham to wait for that son, and he waited year after year after year, well, he had the endurance. He had the ability to do that. He had the perseverance, and God knew he did. Same thing with Job. We'll talk a little more about Job here in just a few minutes, but God knew Job had the ability, so he allowed him to be tested. Well, 
we will never become the individual God wants us to be. The word perfect here has the idea of complete. Somebody who can complete and finish and not be lacking. And then, of course, in verse 5, he says, if you don't understand this, if you lack the wisdom to realize that you should have joy in trials and that your testing will bring you patience, then let's start praying for wisdom because God will help me to see this. But there's a, a real key here. There's a real tie. And that is when I feel joy as I enter into a trial because I know that I'm going to gain from this trial, then I've started adding perseverance and every trial that I have to go through will add more perseverance just like the person who is in the Olympic trials and he has pushed himself and pushed himself and he has confidence. He knows that that he will have that ability and he has that joy. And so that's uh, the first part of the advice that God gives us. Then, uh, Brian, if you'd like to Go ahead and read James chapter 5 and verse 11. Here it says, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. First brings up an an interesting point that I, I think we are all aware of, and that is all sacrifices that are in the future, we look at them and we have to endure them. But those sacrifices that are in the past, we look back on them with a sense of, of, of pride, a sense of accomplishment, a sense of, of uh, I have shown my God my tr- the true depth and level of my faith by going through that. So he warns us to go ahead and read through the Old Testament prophets because every one of them shows the example of suffering and patience. And we do call them blessed. But the point that that I think is most important for us to understand when it comes to perseverance is Job. You have heard of the perseverance of Job. Well, maybe you haven't yet, but that's what this lesson is going to be about. If we're going to add perseverance to our virtue, our knowledge, and our self-control, then we've got to be able to understand what happened to Job and what the Lord's purpose was, what the end intended by the Lord was to allow him to go through that trial. And it's interesting, he says that what the Lord actually is, is compassionate and merciful. For God to allow Job to go through that was actually an act of compassion and mercy. Well, as I say, if you're looking into the future, then that doesn't make sense. But as you look at the past, Job's now been with the Lord for thousands of years. And for thousands of years, he has been a a classic example for all of us. And he's helped so many of us to get through so many different difficulties and trials. And so the Lord has given Job the ability to be such a wonderful example to all of us. And so as he points out, that makes the Lord very, very compassionate and merciful. So Alan, for at least some of our listeners who may be relatively new Christians or relatively new to the Bible or just starting their Bible reading, you know, they may not be familiar you know, with the account of Job. Could you maybe take a few moments and maybe give them an overview and why it's especially applicable to the uh, point the Holy Spirit's trying to make through James. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. But but let me give this uh, caveat or this uh, important point, and that is Job has 42 chapters, and it is a very, very fascinating and complicated book. And so I would urge the listeners to go to our website and look up some of the articles that we have on Job, because He is such a fascinating character, but I'm just going to give a quick overview of the first couple of chapters. In chapter one, uh, we have a scene that opens up with God in heaven and a conversation that God and Satan have regarding Job. And Job is a very special man. Matter of fact, God says, I think in verse eight, I have no one like him in all the earth. He is the finest 
godliest servant that I have in the world today. And Satan challenges God and says, well, God, he doesn't really love you. The only reason that he is serving you like this and, and giving you this praise and adoration and submission is because you're bribing him. You have blessed him in every way. And if those things were gone, he would curse you. He doesn't love you. He only is using you. Satan is such a slanderer. He even slanders Job to God. And of course, he slandered God to Eve. He is, that, that, that's the definition of his name. He's a slanderer. And so uh, God says, no, I know my servant Job. He will, not, he will not curse me. He will not renounce me. He is not serving me for those blessings. So Satan is given the ability by God to uh, remove all of his blessings. And so in a single day, he loses all of his possessions and all of his children die in a, uh, a terrible accident. And he says, I came naked. I'm going to return naked. The Lord gave. The Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And God was so pleased because Job proved that all of us. And this is his perseverance. And this is what James is talking about when he says, you've heard of the perseverance of Job. Job was placed in a terrible set of circumstances, but he was placed in those circumstances because God knew he had the ability to be able to deal with that. Jesus was the same. Jesus put into a terrible set of circumstances, but God knew he had the ability to do it. So was Paul. So was Peter. So were all the prophets. And so God uh, uses Job. Well, Satan's not finished. Satan goes back and God says, well, uh, you've seen now that Job is my servant. And, and Satan says, no, no, that's not enough. You, you, everything that a man has, he would give up for his life. If, if Job is sick enough or miserable enough, he will curse you. And so uh, God once again allows Satan to make Job's life very difficult. He puts boils all over his body, painful boils. Press. He's scraping himself. He's having horrible dreams. Uh, he's just completely miserable. But once again, we are told that he did not charge God foolishly and he did not sin. He did not do anything that was wrong. And so Satan was shown that there are men and women on the earth who will serve God no matter what. Well, we've got to have perseverance to do that. And I hope that all of our listeners are, are just inspired by Job and, and feeling the same way. I would like to be like Job. I would like to be a person that no matter what happens, those thorns, those rocks, they're not going to bring me down. I'm going to be a godly and devout servant of the Lord. And that's where James's point comes in in chapter one. Count it all joy when you fall into these trials because you're on the path to Job. You're on the path to the ability to be able to handle all sorts of trials and tribulations and still remain faithful to God. And that's what perseverance is for. And that's why it's so important. And Job and the prophets are great examples of that. So are there any signs and clues that would help us to understand if we're gaining this spiritual quality? Yeah, Brian, that, that, that is a very, very important uh, question. And all of us, when, when we finally have added enough perseverance to our virtue, knowledge, and self-control, then one emotion is going to come to the surface. And it is the emotion of joy. And we saw it in James, but uh, Paul also talks about this. He talks about the wonderful relationships. Matter of fact, this particular passage is, is very similar to the one that Peter has given. So, um, Jeff, why don't you read Romans chapter 5 for us, verses 1 through 4? Sure. Yeah, and in some ways this sounds very counterintuitive i mean being in the middle of a trial or a temptation and having joy that, that's you know humanly doesn't make sense but that's, that's, that's exactly right and that's yeah why we need that wisdom that james asked us to pray for 
Exactly. And so let's go ahead and see what uh, we see in Romans chapter 5. Being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have had our access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we also rejoice in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation works perseverance, and perseverance approvedness, and approvedness hope. Okay, so there is the answer to the mystery. The answer to how we know if we have added faith, or excuse me, if we have added perseverance to our faith, our virtue, our knowledge, and our self-control. And Paul really nails it here. He says, we know we're justified by faith, and we know we have peace with God. This is what we have when we have virtue. We have obeyed the gospel. We know that God loves us, that, that we have peace with him, and that's what drives us with this virtue, this desire to be the best we can be. And, and we have access into this wonderful grace, and we rejoice in hope because we want eternal life. We want to have all of the blessings that God has offered to give to us and to spend our eternity with him. But then Paul adds in verse 3, not only that, not only are we rejoicing, in hope of the glory of God, but we are also rejoicing in our tribulations. So tribulations, there's something about them that God wants us to be able to understand. They are a vital part of our growth. They are a vital part of our ability to be used by God. When God can put us into tribulations without fear, he won't allow us to be tempted above what we're able. But when he can have the confidence in us, I, like, like Job, I, have you considered my servant Job? I don't have anyone like him in all the earth. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God said that about you and I? Well, that's why we would have joy in tribulation, because as I pass through each tribulation, I am proving to my God how much I love him, how much I trust him, how much I'm willing to break up the rocks, how much I am willing to endure for him. Jesus died for me. Am I ready to die for him? We talk about dying for God, but if we can't even force ourselves to push past weaknesses and trials and tribulations and we're ready to give up, we wouldn't die for him. We have to go through the steps. And so he says here, we rejoice in our tribulation because tribulation works perseverance. It creates it, just like James said, count it all joy. Because when trials come, perseverance comes. Perseverance, the best way to add perseverance is in the means or the way that we, we approach our tribulations, our difficulties, our trials. And like I said, some of them we bring on ourselves. Uh, we sin and we bring troubles into our life. Some of them come just because we're in this world. As I say, pestilence, uh, sickness, uh, depressions, wars, these are tribulations that come. They're, they're not anything to do with us, but they are useful. They still help us. Then there's other types of tribulations and troubles that we have. When we preach the gospel to people and they become angry, or like Jesus, they kill him. So we rejoice in all of these different kinds of tribulations because regardless of the tribulation, if we push through it, we get perseverance. We are adding perseverance. The best way to add perseverance to your faith is to stay faithful and keep praying and keep glorifying God and get through those trials. Because the more trials you get through, the more approvedness. Now, approvedness means I know that God sees me as a faithful servant. That sense of feeling that you have passed through a trial and you have done it, there's just, it's like winning a gold medal. There's just something so precious about going through a trial and getting through the other side and looking back on it and being able to praise God because you, you tell yourself, you know, 10 years ago I could have never done this. But I've added perseverance and now I'm able to take these things in stride and get past them. And so this is a, a vital part. So there are some definite clues. When I can when I can look at a tribulation and see joy and not anguish and oh no and shaking my head and ah, I don't want to go through this, well, then my perseverance is very weak. 
And the only way, now I've gained the knowledge now. Like I said, virtue leads us to knowledge, leads us to self-control, leads us to perseverance. Well, it takes all of them here. I need virtue. I need to want to be the best in order to have joy when I go into a trial. Well, I need knowledge because I need to understand how this trial is going to help me. And then I need the self-control to go through the trial. And then as I come out of the trial, I need the perseverance to continue to grow so I can take on more and more and more of this. Well, as we mentioned a few moments ago, that just sounds you know very difficult, you know, if, if not impossible to have the kind of emotion that's you know, 180 degrees out or totally opposite of what you would normally have, you know, when you're enduring or trying to endure a trial or temptation, you know, joy and rejoicing. Um, how is that possible? I mean, Alan, does the Bible give us insight into how we can feel that kind of emotion, even though naturally we might be in the middle of a great trial and sorrow and grief? Well, that's where the knowledge comes in. When I understand what this is actually accomplishing, then the joy will come. Peter deals with this in his first letter. Matter of fact, in the very first chapter of his first letter, he describes the problems that were going to be coming on the church and the persecutions, the terrible persecutions in the first century of people that were put to death and their families were put to death. And it was a horrible, horrible difficulty. And yet Peter is able to say, Brian, would you like to read First uh, Peter? Chapter 1, verses 6 to 8 for us. Actually, 6 and 7, sorry. Verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is really the answer to the paradox or, or difficulty that you're striving, the, the, the impossibility. How can you feel joy when you are in the midst of grief? And he uses those two terms in the same verse. In verse 6, he says that. He says, you greatly rejoice though you have been grieved by various trials. So the grief comes from the loss. The joy comes from what the, what the loss will gain. And so uh, when I find myself in a trial, someone I love has died. How do I feel about that? Well, I'm grieving. But if I remain faithful and I gain perseverance, then I feel joy. Joy because someone died? Absolutely not. No, the, 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 the loss is a grievous thing. Uh, but the joy comes because the loss has brought more perseverance. So you greatly rejoice because these various trials. Why? Well, the same concept as Paul just gave, the approvedness, the 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 sense of accomplishment in verse 7 the genuineness of my faith i know god sees me he's starting to see me more and more like job because i too am a man or i too am a woman who is going to stay faithful to god no matter what and satan can cast his fiery darts at me and every time i get through a trial i have one more reason to rejoice because my faith is being shown to be genuine. I'm not a fair-weather friend of God. I am someone who will stay with God even if life is no longer even bearable. If we should lose everything, if we should be one of those people in Hebrews chapter 11 who go about in sheepskins and goatskins, afflicted, ill-treated, uh, of whom the world was not worthy, the genuineness of that faith being much more precious than gold so Paul, or excuse me, Peter here is telling us when we have perseverance, that makes our faith more precious than gold. So the knowledge that going through a trial, gaining perseverance will make my faith more precious than gold, well, that's going to bring joy. Joy from the trial? No, we will never be happy in a trial. We're never going to be happy when someone dies. We're never going to be happy if the doctor comes out and tells us we have a terrible illness or or uh, 
the there's a war and it, it's just obvious that we're going to lose everything that we have. There's no joy in that, and, and God doesn't want us. We can be grieved in that trial, but behind the grief is the joy of the greatness of what we are becoming and the opportunities. Do we pray for these opportunities? Nobody prays for for these terrible things to happen to them, but when they do happen to them, they see them as they are in the context of eternity. They are not just a loss. They are a loss for the here and the now, but in, in the overall context of eternity, these things are actually some of the greatest things. And as I say, when we die and we stand before God on the judgment day and we look back on our life, it's going to be these things we endured and got through that are going to make us feel really good. All of the days that were that were filled with joy and happiness, that, that's not going to bring us any any great sense of accomplishment as we stand before God. But if we've gone through trials and we have gained perseverance, then uh, his last point is that there will be praise and honor and glory for us. Praise, honor, and glory for us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well done, good and faithful servant, is how Jesus portrays it. I want to hear that. And I know that when I have this perseverance and I get through trial after trial after trial, well, God is going to see me just like Job, just like those prophets. Yeah, and in addition to Job, uh, is there anyone else that we can look at that can help us understand how God's people have added perseverance? Yeah, there, there is one passage that I, I consider to be a global passage. In other words, it, it carries, it, it has all of it. So let's, let's go over and... Uh, Jeff, why don't you read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 for us? Sure. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured, the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. I appreciate the way you read that, Jeff, because those three words in there, endurance and endured and endured, they're all three the same Greek word that Peter used. So while it's called endurance here, it was called perseverance or patience or endurance uh, throughout the, the New Testament scriptures. And so number one, he says, starting in verse one, we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Now he's talking about all of the godly people who have lived before. They're the people that James described as you've heard of the prophets and you've seen the patience of the prophets, and you've heard of Job, and you've seen the patience of Job. Well, I see the patience of Abraham, who was 75 when he came into the promised land and had to wait until he was nearly 100 before he finally got his son. So I see his patience as he waited 25 years for God to fulfill his promise, never murmuring, never grumbling, and never doubting. I see that, and it. I respect that. And I see Moses. And I see Job, and I see Jeremiah, and this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, so many people who could testify to us. It's worth it. It's worth it. Get the perseverance. Get the, get the ability to keep going. Get rid of those rocks and those thorns, and it's going to be worth it. So lay aside every weight, every encumbrance, everything that is keeping you from this perseverance and the sin which so easily entangles and ensnares us. And there, there's the temptation side of this. So we're getting rid of the rocks. We're getting rid of the thorns. And now we run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now here we go back to the Olympics, like Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that those who run in a race all run, and they all exercise self-control. And now it's our turn. We have to run with perseverance, run with patience, run with endurance, counting it all joy as we fall into these trials. And then verse 2, fixing our eyes 
on Jesus. We're focusing on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is our example. He is our Savior, and what God did for him and with him is what he would like to do for us and with us. And that is, allow us to go through the trials and tribulations of life so that we can have eternal life. And Jesus went through the trials and tribulations of life so that he could give us that eternal life. So we look at him, and here it is again, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So now we've got Jesus on the cross, but counting it all joy. Well, how could he do that? Well, once again, he knows that he has fulfilled the will of God, and he knows that those trials and tribulations that he is enduring are going to bring eternal life to literally millions of people. Millions of people are going to be blessed because of his sacrifice. And I'm looking at him, and I'm saying to myself, can I do that? And will I do that? And so verse 3, consider him who has endured hostility by sinners against himself, that you don't grow weary, because none of us have ever or will ever have to endure what Jesus had to endure. The trials that he went through uh, were much more severe than our trials. But God trusted him. He knew he could do it, and he did it. And if God trusts us, whatever trial we are put in, that's put in front of us, God is saying, I trust you. I trust you, and I believe that this will help you to grow, and that this will give you a wonderful opportunity to show yourself approved, to have a faith that is more precious than gold, and to receive praise and glory and honor on the last day. And so perseverance is such a wonderful, wonderful quality, and it brings so many benefits. So we add this virtue to our faith, and we add this knowledge to our virtue, and we add the self-control, but then we move to the next level where we're starting to add this endurance and this, this, this struggle and receiving not, oh no, here it happens again, but oh no, here it happens again, but I'm really happy because this is going to make me into a better Christian, into a better person, into someone who uh, can, can accomplish that. You know, from all the verses that we've been reading and all your comments, you know, it certainly appears that, you know, all of God's servants, you know, really need this, you know, basically from the, the beginning of their, you know, walk as a Christian. Do you happen to have any other scriptures that would help us see how necessary this is for our, you know, ongoing spiritual growth? Yeah, I think, you know, there's lots of verses in there and, and our listeners can look up later Romans chapter 5 verses 35 through 39 where he talks about the tribulations and trials of the Christian and yet we're more than conquerors or uh, the passage in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 36 through 39 where he talks about the need of endurance so that we can hold fast and stay faithful until the end but uh, since we're just about out of time I I'd like to conclude with uh, this passage in Second uh, Timothy chapter two, and and let's go ahead and look at verses ten through fourteen. Okay. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with Him, we shall also live with Him. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things. And so that, that's essentially what we're doing in this lesson. We're, we're trying to remind ourselves. I know some of you may have never heard these things before. Some of us have heard them many times. But whether you're hearing it for the first time or the 10th time, we need to keep them in our memory. You remember Peter said that at the end. I want you to remember these things. I want you to remember these things. Bring them to your mind. And so... Paul here is saying the same thing. So what's he saying in verse 11? I endure. There's the word perseverance. I have perseverance. I endure everything for the sake of the elect. So I don't ever want to be a reason why someone else doesn't remain faithful. I don't want to be a stumbling block to anyone. I'm going to endure everything. I can't fall. I can't falter because people are counting on me, just like Paul. 
So I endure all things for the elect's sake. You and I need to endure. We need to get this perseverance so that we can count it all joy. And no matter how hard we get hit, our brethren can count on us. And we're going to do all things so that they can obtain salvation and we can obtain salvation. And then in verse 11, if we endure, we will reign with him. Now, there's a reason for joy. If I can have enough perseverance to get through whatever life throws at us, then I'm going to reign with the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to have the ability. I'm going to have that faith that is more precious than gold. I'm going to have that, uh, that I'm going to become one of the great cloud of witnesses for other people. And here we have this wonderful promise. So as we uh, finish up this particular class and I re or lesson, I realize it's very complicated. And I would urge all of you to listen to it maybe more than once because there's a lot here. And, uh, but the more we learn about perseverance, the more respect we're going to have for it and the more desire we're going to have to get it. Yeah, some very good thoughts there, Alan. Appreciate that. And appreciate you also encouraging our listeners to take a look at what, what was taught here. And as Alan mentioned, you know, listen to it more than once. Certainly look at the scriptures that were given and definitely look to apply uh, what we've learned in this lesson today. So, Alan, can you uh, just give us a, an idea of what the next spiritual quality we'll take a look at in our next episode? Well, the next three qualities are relationships. We have godliness which is our relationship to God, brotherly kindness, which is our relationship to all other Christians, and love, which is our relationship really to everyone. And so for the next three, uh, there are some wonderful benefits to godliness, to developing a very precious, special relationship with our God. And so that's what we'll be looking at in our next lesson. All right. Sounds good. So until next time, uh, we look forward to everybody continuing to listen and continuing to grow through God's Word. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website at biblequestions.org, where you can find over a thousand scripture-filled articles on a wide variety of Bible topics, along with about two dozen free Bible study lessons and other Bible study aids. Plus, you can submit a Bible question to us to get a personal response within a couple of days. Check it all out at BibleQuestions.org.